Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Hebrews 1, 1 through 14. Hebrews 1, 1 through 14. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Angie. Please be seated. Father, as we open your word, what we just heard is really amazing that Jesus created this world and even now upholds it by the word of his power. These angelic beings, these angels, these spirits are everywhere. And it's a remarkable thing to consider. Holy Spirit, guide us, guard the truth, help us to be transformed by what we see and hear in this text. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to consider how you share your testimony. Every Christian has a story of rescue. Some of us, it's a story that is of God's faithful promises, and we don't really remember a time in our life when we didn't know the Lord, but we have seasons when he revealed himself more clearly and we profess faith in Jesus. Others have a specific time and day where they know that is the hour, that is the day when I profess faith in Christ. What's true of both of those is that behind the scenes, there was spirit work taking place that you couldn't see. But the evidence was revealed when a child, a teenager, a young adult, an elderly person, whatever, whoever, said, I believe in Jesus. And if we could see into the spiritual realm, we would see that there was work taking place, like described here, that's very powerful. Earlier when we were praying, 
we were praying for an area that our church has been so deeply invested in. Years ago, I had the privilege of going to East Asia for the first time. And I remember leading a group of students who were working in this foreign exchange language program, teaching conversational English. And one of the ways we would teach about Jesus was to simply talk about holidays. Because as we talked about holidays, we could share with them great things like the true meaning of Christmas. And I remember watching one of our students stand up before maybe 40 other students proclaiming the truth of Christmas. We had already gone through the ways in which Americans and much of the world celebrates Christmas with all that is red and green and the jolly old man we call Saint Nick and Christmas carols, etc. But then we transitioned to the true meaning of Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas. And there this young girl, a junior in high school, took a nativity scene and she took the pieces of the nativity scene, the, the animals, the shepherds, the parents, and the baby in a manger. And she said, this is what Christmas is really all about. And as she did that, she was essentially saying to those students who had never heard this, come to Bethlehem and see. Come and behold this newborn king. Come and consider the one that we sing about, and we will in a moment, the one who is king of angels. And I remember videotaping. And the reason I say it this way is because it wasn't holding a phone. It was holding a camera. And I was holding this big camera up, moving around the room. And as she was explaining the gospel to these, these middle school and high school students, there was a boy that was staring at her with such intensity. He didn't even blink. He just was captivated by these, these words and the story. And then as soon as it was over, he raised his hand. He had a question. And his question was simply, and you believe this is true. Now behind him, I believe I captured on tape, regeneration. Regeneration is when a person moves from being unregenerate, not saved, not a Christian, to becoming a believer. I didn't witness it in him, but in the girl named Tina who was sitting behind him. Because when he asked the question of the American student who had just taught them about Bethlehem, and he said, and you believe this is true, this little girl recorded on my video camera is doing this. And that afternoon with one of our students, she prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Behind the scenes, behind what I could see, behind what this video camera could record, the Holy Spirit was at work. The only one who could reveal to her the irresistible grace that was being offered in that moment through the good news of the Savior of Jesus. And when Jason said, and you believe this is true, she responded to his question, though his question wasn't directed to her. And she was saying, yes. And in seeing that, our students pursued her. And she said, yes, I believe. And now if a government official was to approach her, she would have to make that decision of whether she would denounce. And I believe she wouldn't sign because the faithful work of God in her life was present then. And I believe based on what you just heard read, it's true today. 
Three weeks after that girl came to Saving Faith in Jesus, many of those students, part of that program, were now in Dallas, staying in some of your homes, going each day to our conversational English camp here held at TCA. Jason was one of those students. And then meeting with Russ Whitfield, one of our former youth interns, he peppered Russ with questions. And Russ gently answered his questions day after day. And then in a moment, behind the scenes that you and I couldn't see, the Holy Spirit there grabbed hold of him. And he too professed faith in Jesus Christ. And you believe this is true? That was his question. And then he answered it. Three weeks later, I believe also behind the scenes of every Christian testimony, things are happening in the spiritual realm that we can't see. That includes angels. Here's what I mean. We at Christmas time especially sing of angels. In the two hymns that we have sung in preparation and in worship this morning, did you see the word angels everywhere? Did you give much thought to it though? My guess is you didn't. That you just kind of move through these things knowing that the ultimate praise is to Jesus, which is true. But we miss the significance of even a phrase that we've been singing since we were little. Behold the king of angels. That phrase in the hymn we'll close with in a moment, O come all ye faithful. Behold the king of angels. What does that mean? We're in a series called The King's Carols because Jesus is king. And this one particular carol uses that phrase, behold, king of angels. When we ask the question, what does that phrase actually mean? There is no better text to go to than Hebrews 1. Did you see why? The author of Hebrews Really, it's the preacher of Hebrews is preaching to a group of Christians who are being persecuted and the intensity of that persecution is spreading so that the temptation for those who are being persecuted is to flee. So he writes this letter and he begins in chapter one by talking about Christ and his supremacy over the angels why would he spend so much time, the first whole chapter, talking about angels? Well, I believe it's because there was probably an error in their thinking. It's possible that they were giving too much attention to angels. They were tempted to worship angels, or it's possible that they thought Jesus was only an angel, like cults today, like Jehovah's Witnesses, or other world religions. They may say Jesus was a prophet or Jesus was an angel, but he was so much more. And the author of Hebrews wants them to understand that yes, angels are real, but angels have a role and they are not Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning for a few minutes is I want to help you answer a question biblically that your children or your grandchildren or a neighbor or a coworker might ask you if they're actually paying attention to what we're singing about angels. I'm curious, if someone asked you in an elevator as you're going from floor one to 18, what do Christians really believe about angels? What would you say? If your child asks you after this service because they're listening to me, what did Pastor Mark 
really mean about angels? What would you say? And whatever you would say, how confident would you be that you're actually telling them something that's true and helpful? If they get real specific with questions about angels, where would you turn? Would you turn to a movie like something on the Hallmark Channel? I hope not. Would you simply say, well, my experience is I think this. I hope not, unless it's saturated in the Word of God. And I'm going to give you a three-minute answer to the question about angels that you can take with you that's straight from Scripture. So pay quick attention. First, angels are biblical. Not one reference, but many. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, angels are biblical. So if we talk about angels, we're not being weird. We're not being like some kind of Eastern mysticism. Angels exist and angels are real. The Bible is full of angels. So first, angels are biblical. Two, angels are created spirits, created spiritual beings. In other words, angels are not like God having existed from all time. Angels were created by God. The final verse in chapter one that Angie read, it says that angels are ministering spirits. So angels are created spirits, created beings. It's biblical, they're biblical. Two, they're created beings. Number three, they're created the same way you were created or for the same purpose you were created to bring God glory. Three very simple things. Angels are biblical. Angels are created beings. They were created for God's glory. How do they bring God glory? I want you to see the connection to us. They were created to bring God glory by worshiping him and working for him. What's the connection to us? Children, you have learned to answer this question this way. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. So my friends, what is the chief end of angels? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. How do they do that? They do that through worship and work. Another connection to us. If you're new to our church and you stick around long enough and you want to join, you will be asked five questions of membership. Every member of PCPC has answered the same five questions. And question number four goes like this. Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? That was your vow. All of that sentence. Not, do you promise to support the church in its worship and work? But to the best of your ability. It's sobering, isn't it? The angels were created for worship and work, just like us. But here's what's amazing. The angels in their work were created to help us in our worship and work. And you can't see them, but they're present even now to that end. So very quickly, let's talk about their worship. Here in verse five, verse six, I'm sorry, this preacher says the following, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. That's it. All of God's angels are to worship him. Why? 
three things come straight out of the text. First, this author moves to the superiority of Christ. Look with me at verse 3. It's speaking of Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is important. Verse four, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So they worship him first of all because his name is more excellent than theirs. Well, what is his name? What is this name? The Son. Verse five, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son. Today, I have begotten you. God never said that to one of the angels. And his son is not an angel. He is God. And he said to his son, you are my son. No one else has that title. Yes, we're beloved sons and daughters of the living king, but we're not his son, not his only begotten son. And the father speaks and says, he is my son. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. But it's not only because of his name that they're to worship him. It's because of his position. And this is why the hymn writer says, behold, the king of angels. Jesus is born king of angels. Look with me at verse 8. Your throne is speaking of Jesus, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. We worship him because he's king and he has a kingdom. But not only is it because of his kingdom, his position, it's also because of his power. Now, angels are powerful. If you look through the scriptures and you see when people encounter angels, what's the first word that describes their exposure? Fear. So if we were to see an angel like those revealed in Scripture, if God opened our eyes or an angel happened to take on human you know, experiential flesh or something like that, which happens at times, you and I would have that sense of, oh, I wonder if we knew what we we're looking at. But they have nowhere the power of the sun. How powerful is the sun? The text tells us in verse 10, you, Jesus, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. In other words, when you sing about this baby in a manger, when you sing about the one who grew to be a man, who walked upon the earth 33 years, who went to the cross and died, and then rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is now reigning as our king, you are singing about the one who made you the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knit your child together, the one who created everything you see is Jesus. Not only that, he, Jesus, is upholding all of that and everything beyond what even the most powerful telescope can see or the deepest camera could get to in the furthest depths of the oceans. He is upholding all of that by the word of his power. And so the angels worship him because of his name, because of his position as king, because of his power. But lastly, they also work for him and they work for you. 
I don't think you think about this very much. And I know I don't. And I know that I rarely hear someone's story of rescue where they give God credit for all that's happening behind the scenes, including the work of angels that they can't see. You know, it would be a very biblical thing to say, I came to Christ on June 23rd, 1982. These are the circumstances that unfolded in my life as the Holy Spirit illuminated the truth in my heart and mind. And I don't know because I couldn't see, but I know that angels were actively involved in me inheriting salvation. Does that sound unbiblical? Not if you were listening to what was just read. The final verse of Hebrews 1, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? There are angels moving around this place, moving around this creation, to worship God and do his work. And part of his work is enabling us to worship him and do the work for him. Think about it. The very fact that we could sing a hymn like, oh, come all ye faithful, and even call ourselves faithful, is because God has given us everything that is necessary to believe in him and then persevere in that faithful belief. That includes his angels. That's how much he cares about you as his beloved sons and daughters and how much he longs for the perseverance of our faith. Behind the scene of your story of rescue is a spiritual world taking place that you can't see. I can't see it either, but it's real. Just as it was for Tina, just as it was for Jason. But let's go back to his question. Do you believe this is true? Some of you do. I imagine many here this morning. Like Tina, at some age, you nodded quickly. But some of you perhaps are here on a journey or just with a friend. And it's going to take you a little more time. Like Jason, you need to ask some questions. I love that. I encourage you to come to Bethlehem. Behold the king of angels. Behold what he has said about himself in his word. Behold what this incredible word says. Give consideration to who he is. It's very possible that behind the scenes of what you can see or even know or feel, that he's brought you to this time and place for that very reason, to reveal that he is king and he's savior and he's friend and he will do whatever is necessary, whatever grace is required to make sure his people nod their heads when someone asks, do you believe this is true? Lord God Almighty, we need our eyes opened, the truth explained, the illumination of your spirit. We're so busy, we're so distracted, we're so used to just going through the motions 
even of singing these profound truths, this profound doctrine. Oh Lord, only you have the power to change us. So even as we close with this well-known hymn, show us the deity of Christ. Show us that he's supreme. Never let us worship an angel, only our Savior in whom the angels worship. But let us delight that you are doing everything that is necessary that we could be your faithful children, worshiping you and working for your glorious sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.